It's a big day and a big week for Bitcoin. Bitcoin has been on the move a little bit. We are still coming down. The stock markets are having a bit of a crazy day today. So let's take a look. This can look a little scary, right? Dow Jones down 725 points today. It was down as much as 1,000 at one point. S&P down 68, NASDAQ down 152. Sounds like a lot, right? Well, really, it's only 2%. The Dow's only down 2%, S&P down 1.59, NASDAQ down 1%. So what does Bitcoin look like? As we speak right now, Bitcoin's down 3.28%, uh, 3.11% up and down, Ether's down 4%, um, Cardano's down 5%. So uh, things aren't as bad as they can seem. Yes, we are in a downtrend. In all markets, we have reached uh, a peak in most of the markets. So it is time for things to settle down a little bit. It is time for a little bit of profit taking. The only thing up today looks like Dash is up. Um, and let's see, over the 24 hour period and then down, pretty much everything else is down. So it's kind of a tough time right now. So here's the thing to think about. And the question everybody's asking is what is the future? What's going on? What's happening in the economy? So the markets right now, uh, obviously, are pricing in some things. We have the pandemic, the Delta variant on the rise, uh, threatening things again. We have mask mandates. We have countries that are uh, restricting access and visitation. Uh, so we have a lot of uncertainty out there, again, from a pandemic standpoint. Now, what the markets do know is they do know the Fed is going to step in. Central banks are going to step in. They're not going to let things tank. If you remember last uh, March, uh, not this year, but uh, of 2020, when things were uh, selling off and the market was tanking, <clears throat> the Dow was going down a thousand points at a time, 1500 points at a time, setting off circuit breakers, things like that. So we had a much bigger sell-off. Uh, cryptocurrency markets were really tanking. So the difference this time is the markets know and the investors know that the Fed, central banks, and governments around the world are going to step in. They're not going to let markets collapse. They're not going to let the economy collapse. But if things get out of control, they will shut down which is gonna create problems. It's going to create supply issues once again. Um, so we have to keep an eye on that. We have to see what that is gonna do and how that's gonna affect markets, which ultimately affect cryptocurrency markets. The stock markets, traditional markets, and crypto markets are kind of all tied together now. The dollar is up right now. Whenever the dollar's up, everything else is down. That is not a recommendation. That's not an opinion. The facts are when uh, the economies and the markets are doing bad, the flight to safety is the dollar. The dollar is the safe haven. The dollar is the world's reserve currency. Most governments hold more dollar than anything else in terms of assets. So uh, when you see the dollar going up, that tells you that things are wrong. What's really interesting is the bond market being way, way down. Um, so we'll have to see what's going on there. There is something off in the bond market, a lot of concern there. So we'll just have to see. But um, we are still in very uncertain times. The markets were way overvalued, extremely frothy, tons of liquidity. So the Fed has been sending the message very subtly to take profits. That's what the Fed meetings have been all about. Look, we're not changing policy. We're not going to raise rates. We're not going to start tapering. Uh, so, but we are talking about it. And several of the members have come out and said it's time. So what they're saying without saying it is, um, you guys have had plenty of time, start taking some profits. So that already started happening before the Delta started popping up. The Delta is popping up quick. It's very 
contagious. It's spreading rapidly. It's creating big problems in a lot of states in the United States and countries around the world. It is very serious. It's not to be taken lightly. And anybody who is not vaccinated is is at, uh, is at risk. They are pretty much at risk. So, um, you know, I got vaccinated. Um, uh, so I don't really have to worry about it. But I do have to be concerned with what are the effects of the unvaccinated in some of the areas of the country that will ultimately affect me. So uh, if anybody who's watching this is not vaccinated, you are at risk, you're putting yourself at risk and your family. So you might want to look into that. And I know there's all kinds of opinions and reasons, but I've, I've been vaccinated all my life for all kinds of different things. In the military, you have to take all kinds of vaccines for different things to travel around the world. So it's something that I'm kind of used to. I've always done. Uh, so doesn't bother me. I'm fine. I got mine. Nothing happened. And everything was okay with that. Um, so uh, that's just something to think about. Uh, but anyways, as far as the markets go, um, that's kind of what's going on. The markets are really concerned about what's going to happen with uh, COVID. How is it going to affect things? But at the same time, they know that they have a safety net. They know that the Fed central banks are not going to let it collapse. Again, what, one thing that's really interesting is when you look at price action, and let's take a look at the charts here, and you look at Bitcoin. Let's go ahead and blow this up. Um, you can see a couple of things. Volume is really, really light. We've been in a downtrend for a while. Like I've said, uh, overall, we are in a downtrending market. I'm a, I'm a value investor, opportunistic. I'm not a chartist. I'm not a technical analyst. I do follow the technical analysis of some of the best in the business out there. I kind of look at all viewpoints. I want people that um, agree and disagree so I can look at everybody's analysis and make my own decisions. At the end of the day, uh, I have to make my own decisions as an investor from a macro level, as an opportunistic investor, a value investor, meaning I trade with the momentum of the trends that I'm given. I look for big moves in and out. I'm not a day trader, uh, but I like to watch it, see what's going on in the price action, especially lately. It's kind of interesting. Uh, and one of the things that's really interesting is, like I said before, how do you get down the mountain? A lot of times the way you came up. A lot of people have asked, asked me what I'm looking for from potential downside targets. And if you go back and look at the history of cryptocurrencies, and especially Bitcoin, Bitcoin has a tendency to do full retracement of an all-time high um, and, and for peak cycles in the market. So when you go back and you can go back to any time period and you can look at where the market's peaked, um, and even, even many peaks, it always goes back to where it started at some point or another. The March uh, of 2020 is kind of an anomaly, but you know, you, some people agree with that, some don't. I think it's a black swan. I think when you go to the March timeframe of 2020, let's go ahead and look at that. Here's June of 2020. We, had, we came off of a little bit of price action. <clears throat> June, July of 2020, we were at about 13,000. And then the market was selling off a little bit, dropped down all the way down to about 6,500 in December of 2019, started rising up again. And here we are, January, February, and then bam, we have the March 2020. Uh, it was on its way up from a uh, big downtrend in the market, taking it all the way down to about 6,500, 60, well, here we go. Here's a low right here, right around, yeah, right around 65, 6,600 in December of 2019. It was on its way back up. Arguably, you could say that's where this past bull run, bull cycle began, was back in that time frame, And the uh, March pandemic was the only hiccup in that whole thing. It rebounded quickly, and then it was off to the races. So you could argue that we were already on our way up. The question is, let's take the March pandemic out, all the liquidity that was given 
to the markets and to the investment firms out there, how high would it would it have gone without all that liquidity? Would it have really hit 65,000? Uh, we don't know. All we know is what we were given and we can only trade what we were given. And again, if you go with those trends and you look at where we came from, and here we are right here in December of 2018, that was a market peak. We started down uh, you know, around a thousand bucks before that, it went all the way up. And it came all the way back down almost to a thousand dollars to a couple two three thousand dollars if you look at where did that 20 uh let me see what was that december of 2017 yeah december 2017 cycle begin um you know the big run probably began after this low down to about 1700 it popped up to about 2800 and went up from there so you could uh yeah, you could say that it was it was about 20, 2,800, 3,000, somewhere around there. And it did revisit that number afterwards um, after a long bear market sell-off down to about that 3,000 range again. So that was a full retracement of that cycle. Now, it did take a long time. If you look at this, this is December of 2018. We hit $19,000, $20,000, uh, or 2017, I mean, December of 2017. Um, we hit that $20,000 range. It immediately, we had that blow off top because we had a parabolic move up, had the blow off top, it bounced around a little bit, dropped down to about 6,600 from 19,000, um, which obviously uh, is a huge drop, bounced up from there, dropped, had a little bit of action, and then it started settling in after a lot of this sideways action, and especially toward the end there from that September 2018 through November, 2018 timeframe, we had a lot of that sideways action up and down within a range of about 61 to 6,700. So that range right there that you're looking at, and I'm looking at the daily chart ranges between 6,100 and I'm doing closes, I'm not doing candles and 6,700. And that lasted from September 18th through November 18th before that dropped. So that was about September, October, November, about three months, September 18th to well, about two months. We had about two months of sideways action before the ultimate drop where we ended up going all the way back down again and revisiting that $3,000 level, retracing the entire market cycle. So, and if you go back before that and look at 2013, 2014, any other time that we've reached highs in the market, even temporary highs, it's always gone back down and retraced back to the cycle lows where the market began. And I pegged that all along at around $10,000. Now, a lot of people say that's not possible right now because of the institutional adoption and the interest. And uh, the one thing that when you're looking at markets and you're looking at things as an investor, a lot of things are possible. You know, anything is possible almost. The question is what's really likely, what's really probable, and what is your gut telling you if you take in all of the information and everything you're looking at and you look at the past history and think that you know a year ago from now, Bitcoin was $9,000. July of 2020, if you go back to July of 2020, Bitcoin was hovering around $9,000. So is it possible that we could go back down to nine or $10,000? There's September of 2020, we dropped down to $10,000. So is it possible? Yes. Is it likely and probable? Yes, because we are in a big downtrend. There's a lot of things going on in the economy. So the real question is, 
How bad does the economy get? What's going on in the markets? How temporary is that? And what are the other effects of the things that we're seeing? And what is really, uh, what is the real interest in the public out there in terms of their view on cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin? Now, we know there's a lot of adoption of cryptocurrencies at large. Uh, DeFi is very popular. NFTs are coming along. There's a lot of different technologies in the cryptocurrency space that's getting a lot of attention, a lot of investment capital that otherwise would have gone into Bitcoin. So a lot of that capital is being spread out now that otherwise it would have went solely into Bitcoin, Ethereum, and a few other little projects. That's really getting more and more spread out now. The institutions that are entering the game are spreading their dollars out over a lot of different assets, a lot of different projects. It is a venture capital space. These are speculative risk assets. So they've been proven not to be currency, not to be money, not even to really be a store of value. They're purely speculative assets. And that's what the institutions are telling you. That's what investors are telling you by their actions, meaning they are setting up trading desks. So what that means is their clients want exposure to the price action. They do not want to own the asset. So uh, that is what's going on when you see all of the filings for ETFs, when you see um, investment banks and uh, hedge funds setting up trading desks for their customers. It's so they can trade futures and trade the price action futures options and get exposure to the, to the underlying asset and to the price action. They have no interest in owning it long-term. They see it as a short-term speculative play. And there's a lot of pressure both ways but there's very little volume. So to think that an asset can't go from 30 to 20 when it was down there, when it was, or yeah, from 30 to 20 or even 30 to 10, when it was there, even a, you know, not even a year ago. And when it's fully retraced itself, pretty much every other cycle, if you go back in the history of Bitcoin and look at the uh, other cycles, like we talked about, it's, it's fully retraced back to its values where it started from. In some cases, it didn't go below previous highs and things like that, but it always fully retraced to where it started the, the initial um, all-time high cycles. So it's probable that it could do it again. And we haven't seen a large, large interest jump in and buy at this price. So the market's telling you 30,000 is not a discount. 30,000 is not a bargain. Now, a lot of people seem to think that 30,000 is a bargain, that it's on sale because it was at 65. But if that was the case, it would be shooting back up again. There would be a lot of people jumping in. So the market is not identifying 30,000 as a bargain or as being on sale. Will that number be 20,000 is the real question. I think you'll see a lot more uh, interest at 20,000. But if it drops to 20, then the mindset at that point could be, well, maybe it goes to 10. And if it goes to 10, maybe it goes to five. So it'll be interesting to see ultimately how low it can get and how low the market will let it go. And this is not an opinion. This is... Uh, not something that will or won't happen, but it is within the realms of a probable uh, outcome from a mathematical calculation. And when you look at FIB levels and retracements and things like that, if you look at some of the technical analysts out there that are showing you the charts with uh, Fibonacci retracements and things like that, um, you'll be able to see that they do target some of those numbers if it doesn't hold at certain levels and you don't get enough uh, interest from investors. And the other thing that we are seeing is efficiency. The market is becoming a little bit more efficient here and less volatile. The question is, what is going to be the result of that? Is it going to pare down from here and stay lower? And have we already reached an all-time high of 65,000 that we will ever see? And then is 40,000 maybe a near-term macro top? And was this the bull trap where we sold down, wicked down below 20, 28, 29,000? Then we bounced up a couple of times back to 40. Uh, was that the bull trap and the only bull trap we're going to see? Um, we don't know, but it very well could be. The thing that's really interesting to me, and I keep pointing it out, is that the price action across a lot of these assets, Ethereum, Bitcoin especially, 
But when you look at other top crypto assets, the price action looks almost identical. Um, this is the daily. Let's go down to the hourly and let's look at it even closer. So look at these big candles and these wicks on the hourly. This is ETH. Look at Bitcoin. Same thing. If you go look at these charts, you can get on TradingView. It's free. You can look at some of this stuff and look at the price action. It's almost identical. Same candles on the same hours. And it's going to be over a lot of different assets. If you go back and chart some of these different coins, let's just pick anything. Let's just pick, um, let's pick VeChain uh, and take a look at VeChain. We can pop up VeChain here, look at the price action and let's pull up TradingView on VeChain. And you can do this with any asset and just kind of check out the price action. And it's pretty amazing when you get into the hourly and look at that. Does that look familiar? And have we seen that anywhere else before? Look at Ether. Look at VeChain. Let's look at Bitcoin. Look at VeChain. You can overlay these charts and they're going to be almost identical. So that just tells you there's a lot of algorithmic trading going on. Uh, based on different variables. It could be based on timeframes, could be based on volumes, it could be based on price points, it could be based on um, assumptions, if this, then that types of scenarios. So that just tells you there's a lot of automated trading going on still, and it's across a lot of the assets. And what are they ultimately doing? They're creating liquidity. So let's look at this Bitcoin again. Let's go back to the daily. And again, this is a liquidity zone here. It was 35 to 40, then it was dropped down to 30 to 35. Now we're down to the 30, uh, it was 31 to 32. Now we're down to the 30 to 31 range, creating liquidity in a distributive pattern to bring the price down. So we're still distributing. There's still a lot of retail investors jumping in. You can see that on Twitter and a lot of social media, a lot of retail investors are buying the dip, jumping in. Uh, it's not a lot of institutional investors jumping in and buying into this price action because they know this is not um, a bargain price and that it is going to go much lower. The question is, how much longer is this going to take? Is it going to be over the next couple of months? We've only been in this really tight range here really for about a month now, maybe. Uh, so we may have another month to go before we ultimately see some big downside or this could just drop right off. The one thing that I don't feel like we're going to see that a lot of people still are looking for is looking for a big bull trap up to 35 to 40-ish or maybe even beyond that before we see the big drop. I'm not so sure we're going to see that right now. Uh, we could. It is a possibility. But that is the one thing everybody's expecting is a little bit of a bounce before we go back down. You may not get it. In that case, it may just go straight down. So sometimes giving people what they expect and doing the opposite. Uh, you always hear that the markets are going to do the opposite of what you think. Sometimes giving them exactly what you think is the way to go. But in this case, none of that has played out. This, this whole area here has not played out like a lot of people have thought. We've been waiting for a bounce, waiting for a bounce, waiting for a bounce, and it just keeps easing its way lower. And as that goes on week after week, month after month, next thing you know, you're at, you're at uh, the bottom and you've been in a bear market cycle for six months. And again, I'm not bull. I'm not bear. I'm an investor. It, I'm not emotional about it. Uh, I've never used those terms in any market, in any investment. Uh, I just, I'm a value investor. I move with the trends of the market. I lead the market up, lead the market down, and I make unemotional decisions based on an asset of profit. And when you're looking at something like this, the decision is, do you sell now? Do you buy now? Where do you take your profits? If you're in profit here, it may make sense to sell, take your profits, wait for it to go down, buy so you can accumulate more and ride it back up. But at some point along the way, right in here is where I took profits. 
over here, I would be okay if it rebounded up before I got back in, but I'm not okay buying here, watching it drop down and staying down there for months and months and months. I'd rather buy back in a little bit higher, take it up and make less of a margin going up this way than trying to buy here with the potential of riding it down and staying down for a while before it rebounds because you have to generate double the return if you buy here and drop uh, to move your, your uh, to move back up to these levels here in terms of percentages. So it's a lot harder to get back up the hill. So I'd rather buy on the way up. I like to move with the trends and buy on the way up. I'll buy low, sell higher. I don't, I don't have to hit the absolute top. It's, it's most important to know the top. So you know when to get out somewhere around the top, uh, but you don't have to necessarily time it. Same thing with the bottom. It's more important to know when to get into the bottom, but you don't have to get in exactly in the bottom, but you wanna be close to it. So how do you know when we're at the bottom? Well, number one, look at the history of Bitcoin. It's always fully retraced any all-time high market cycle. It's always gone up to a peak, blown off and reached back to where it started from, sometimes a little bit lower than that all-time high in a recent market. Um, the other thing that we've talked about is this hash ribbons um, buy signal. <clears throat> so we have not gained any ground on this at all. We are still uh, very, very wide on that hash ribbons uh, buy signal indicator. So you can look back where it said to buy. It didn't time the low, but it caught it back on the way up. So when do you want to long and short markets on the way up and on the way down? You want to buy on the way up. You don't want to necessarily wait for the absolute bottom because if you'd have bought the bottom over here at the absolute bottom, it kind of bounced around along there a little bit. It kind of trended up somewhat, but it was bouncing along the bottom before it had its major upside move. So Depends on how, what your time frame is and how much time you have, but this buy signal, hash ribbon buy signal indicator, uh, you can go back through the history of Bitcoin and kind of look at that and it'll show you um, where it came in. It was on the uptrend, a little bit off the all-time lows uh, and bottoms, but that's a good indication of when you're bottoming. We almost had a little bit of a signal here and then it just kind of kept getting wider and wider and wider. So until that gap and that margin starts closing, coming together, starting to print somewhat of a buy signal, um, then we're nowhere near a macro bottom uh, or a bottoming. And especially with the markets in turmoil right now with the uncertainty out there, we're not gonna bottom out anytime soon. Uh, it's interesting that we've been hanging on at these levels um, as, instead of moving lower, but also that we haven't moved higher. So it's a very interesting test right now for Bitcoin in terms of where is going to be the, the fair value ceiling. Is that 40,000? Where is your fair value low? Is that 30,000? Or is it going to move lower? So. All we can do is sit and wait. And my uh, instincts are telling me we're going lower. And I'm still like everybody else looking for that 20,000 range. Ultimately, if Bitcoin retraces full cycle, it could get as low as 10,000. There's some people that think, it, think it's gonna go lower. There's some people that don't think it's gonna get there. And there's some people that think we're just gonna turn around and set new records. That's very unlikely given the current economic environment, lack of interest that we've seen so far. If this thing was just gonna shoot straight up and have a V, shaped rebound to all-time highs, it would have done it already. So there's too much uncertainty out there right now. Uh, the institutions that are looking at this asset, um, the large, large institutions with the largest amounts of money are not interested in Bitcoin at all. Um, those, are the head, those are the pension funds, life companies, investment companies. They're just not interested in long-term um, exposure to the asset. They might be interested in trading a little bit of the price action with that part of their, their department if they have those allocations. But as far as long-term annuity type investing, they're not going to invest in an asset like Bitcoin. Um, we kind of heard that from BlackRock as he was making the rounds. A lot of people don't believe that or understand what he was saying. You know, what he was saying was his clients that go to him for 
long-term annuity type investments, pension funds, investment funds, sovereign wealth funds, life companies, legacy wealth. They're not interested in a speculative volatile asset like Bitcoin, not right now. They like stability, they like um, income, they like the long-term right now that you not see, uh, see that in Bitcoin and especially with a 10 year history, they would never invest in anything only 10 years old. Um, that's just part of their mandate, part of their wealth preservation strategy. That's just the reality of it. And again, it was his clients investing in those assets. So it's not every institution everywhere. There is a life company that did allocate a little bit of money, a very small, fraction of their overall portfolio, maybe a fraction of a percent into uh, some options and futures around Bitcoin. My guess is they probably pulled that right now. Um, uh, but I think it was MetLife that, that did um, get a little exposure, but I think they're out of it now. So there's not a whole lot of news going on to move it one way or the other. Um, and most of the news out there, I think a lot of people watching this are pretty familiar with. But some of the stuff, like I said, with BlackRock, with um, with them coming out saying that they they see no institutional demand, they just mean from their clients at that level that come to them for those types of investments. They're not saying every institutional investor everywhere. They're just saying their particular clients. So um, you want to make sure that uh, you understand and qualify the information you're seeing because a lot of people will put their own feelings and their own spin on things when it's not necessarily accurate. Uh, the fact that you see ETFs coming, uh, the fact that you see other hedge funds and institutional investors putting trading desks together, things like that. Uh, as time goes on, another five years, 10 years, if Bitcoin is still around and is still a tradable asset during that time period, then you might see more uh, institutional adoption, more of those types of investors coming to the asset, but they want to see a long-term track record. They want to see stability. They want to see efficiency. They're interested in investing in the efficient markets. A lot of those investors aren't even in equities. They're not even in stocks. They're in treasuries. They're in bonds. They're in gold. Gold is a bit volatile, but it's still a little bit more predictable with a longer history. So they feel a little bit safer with that. And uh, those are the types of things that those funds will invest in. Um, and they will invest in um, uh, in ETFs, things like that. So they look for the safer, low risk, um, more preservation of wealth, preservation of capital type investments, real estate. Uh, a lot of them have a good percentage of their por portfolios in real estate uh, from a long-term holding strategy. So those are the things to keep an eye on. That's where Bitcoin is now. I will bring you another update if things change, but just keep in mind critical levels, 30,000. Uh, if you break down below that and you start getting down in the into the twenties, then you're going to want to watch it and uh, just time your entry down there. Uh, if it starts shooting down quickly, you don't want to catch a falling knife. You want to wait, let it settle down and catch it back on the way up. Um, and you'll have to watch that as well. Uh, if it's just a short rebound, um, you got to be careful and watch for a trap there. But my guess is we're not going to see any substantial rebounds. We're going to continue, continue to see downward trend because we just have so much weakness um, right now with volume and things like that. And we just don't see a strong demand uh, for Bitcoin, Ethereum, crypto assets at large right now. DeFi is on, a, is on the move. Uh, NFTs are on the move. Keep an eye on those spaces. There's much better margins to be made in those. That's another reason that Bitcoin has so much pressure on it. Uh, it's just not going to have the kind of returns that it's shown in the past at this level. It has to get down much lower for it to be interesting uh, from an overall return on investment standpoint uh, to generate the kind of returns historically that is generated. So those are some of the headwinds that it's facing. 
Um, but uh, long-term, the technology's there. A lot of DeFi is in the process of uh, getting built on the, on the uh, Bitcoin blockchain. So we will see how those things shake out, what the ultimate effects uh, are on, on Bitcoin, on the price, on the adoption, and on the demand for the asset as we move forward.